everything that we need everything that's good father comes to us through your holy word it's your covenant it's your bond with us it's your promise to us to intervene and intercede in our lives in a good way in a way that saves us heals us and delivers us and helps us leads us and guides us so we need your word and we long for your word we open ourselves up to hear and receive your word we are doers not just hearers only and we thank you for the privilege of being in your presence in jesus name amen praise god amen 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 today we're going to talk about the king's meat the king's meat what that is <laughs> everybody's getting all getting your uh, appetite whetted can you yeah put the knives and the forks away okay all right yeah i know i know i know it's not a menu it's not a pinterest uh whatever those pin things are you know i click them all the time and they take me everywhere but to where that picture is that that food looked good sitting up there so i'm done with that too everything's just a lure for advertising and so you know but this is not we're going to talk about what the king's meat is and many of you recognize that term from the book of daniel and so that's where we're going to go to daniel chapter one and in this chapter we see the result or the uh um the end of a very unfortunate chapter in the history of israel we see the deportation to Babylon of the remnant people from Israel Um, sometimes when you're in unfortunate situations you're not there just for punishment and not to receive anything you're there uh, because you're the last hope of God in certain situations and we need to understand that that remnant people who are saved and preserved these people's lives were preserved the others who were left behind perished many of them perished in famine by the sword different wars and things of that nature but the captives the ones who escaped with their lives to Babylon escaped for a purpose so the remnant people really become the seed of the next move of God they become the ones that God will have to prove and have to bring out of captivity the same kinds of situations that we face every day God had to prove uh, himself through these people and bring them out of those situations by the same standards that he always uses and that is obedience to him obedience to his will obedience to his laws and so these are tests of obedience because the same disobedience that God Uh, the nation of Israel in captivity uh, it has to be reversed and become obedience so that they that next generation can come out we need to understand that there is more at stake in situations than just what we want for us that's always true of God's people and so if we can remember that there is more at stake than what we uh, see for ourselves in a situation uh, what we're going to eat what we're going to drink what we're going to wear 
Jesus said that. He said, isn't your life more than this, just these basic, natural, carnal things? Your life is more than that. And so we have to prove that out every day. That our lives are about more than just our little world of what we're comfortable with. And our little world of, of what we're uh, familiar with. Uh, in captivity, I'm sure many times people want to be comfortable. Uh, and, and that's typical of people in bondage they miss the comforts of that life that they had on the outside of prison or the outside of their situation or the outside you know people who uh, say for instance get married want to be single all the time single people want into the prison (laughs) so to speak (laughs) wake up everybody (laughs) you know we all want out of something and into something because we're so consumed with us we're so consumed with our comfort what we going to eat what we going to drink who cares about us who loves us who talks to us right who doesn't treat us right who does we're so consumed with the carnal side of things we don't ever see the big picture and see what God is doing in our lives can see ourselves as uh, involved in something much bigger than what we are involved in something much stronger than what we can can imagine right now in our lives and so I think if, if we can keep that vision and that uh, aspect of life in focus at all times then we'll have more peace in our circumstances, we'll have more patience. We'll, we'll allow patience to work us into a place where God can always keep his purpose in our hearts and his purpose in our minds. And, and we'll always look to God for everything that we need. Uh, God forbid if you had to rely totally on you for everything and and when you're relying on you of course you're going to rely on man you look at people as being bigger than God and so these things we have to understand God has a remedy uh, for us and he has a help for us and he has a cure for us but it comes in dedication and being obedient to God and no other way there is no other way folks uh, I think many times in, in church the church world we're offered shortcuts to things I can remember years ago uh, and I thank God for for experiences around wise people uh, people that you thought you were in the company of them by happenstance or they just happened to be there and then they would drop something uh, in the atmosphere around you and you got a wisdom from God that you weren't expecting to get and I remember that God was teaching me spiritual authority and especially how to 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 cast out devils and walk in authority over them so that they didn't manifest and try to take over you know as demons want to do and so when I when I first started dealing with that it seemed like everybody I knew had some idea about how to deal with the devil this that and the other and I remember a lady that that uh, had come to one of our meetings uh, I was in a women's ministry and uh, she had come to one of our meetings and she had uh, had some children foster children that she said just were uh, behavior real behavior problems and she had worked out this system for how to deal with them so forth and so on and she had all this big brochure and everything and I was listening 
to it with somebody and she had written down all these ways to deal with this and deal with that and so uh, I walked outside the meeting after it was over and there was a lady there it was the same lady I know I shared with you the woman that had the uh, uh, women's clinic where she would invite women in and, and then talk to them about the Lord and they keep their babies and you know, it was never they never gave abortions but they set up like they were they were very common uh, in the 80s and 90s need to be more common now but it's still a need there but anyway I I asked her and I said I said Diane what do you think about that and she looked down for a minute and she said "Mm." said, there's no shortcut to relationship with God she said there's no shortcut to relationship with God and when I heard her say that that allowed me to throw all of those steps and formulas out that had been that the enemy was trying to deposit on top of my experience with God and his word and hold on to what God had given me and this really is the challenge for all believers to hold on to what God has given you that's real that's true that proves out God and and not accept the king's meat because there are many things that feed us in carnal ways. They feed our intellect. They feed our soul. They feel, feed our emotions. They feed every part of us except for the, uh, the spirit of man, which is where you have your experience with God. You got me? That's where the experience with God grows out of your spirit man. And so we we have to make that distinction and make that differentiation. So in Daniel chapter 1, we see in verse... Okay, we'll start in verse 1. The third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the hand, into his hand with part of the vessels of his house of God, which he carried to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. Now you see a transfer of power over the people of God. There becomes a transfer of power over the people of God. Their king is now captive under the world system. I'm going to say it again. Their king is now captive under the world system. Make sure that whomever you submit yourself to in any way is under your God and not under the world system. Because in this day and age you have to watch leadership that preach out of the king's portion. That preach the king's meat. That have a taste for the king's meat in their teeth. And that distribute it to the people that are under them. And this is what happened here. The king spoke to Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs. That he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and the princes. So the world makes a bid for you. And he wants the best of the best. See, the devil knows he's already got the, you know, people that, you know, just give themselves over freely to him. The everyday people. He knows he's got that. But he wants a bigger trophy. 
he always wants somebody that has God's wisdom, God's call, God's anointing, God's power, God's influence. He wants people of high caliber and royal commitment, royal uh, calling, that kind of thing. And so when you, you find yourself understanding these things, you have to count yourself in as royalty. You know, he wants all believers first and foremost, folks. And he makes a very strong bid in the lives of believers by enticing us with the king's meat. He will entice us with the things that that make us comfortable in the world, especially when we're in a place that we don't think is supposed to be comfortable. In the I've been waiting stage of life. I've been waiting a long time. I've been waiting a long time. I've been waiting a long time. This is a perfect time for the king's meat to start tasting good to us. So we have to understand that when we start thinking like that, the enemy's trying to take us captive like prisoners with our own thoughts and our own cravings. The things that we desire so badly that we will drop the godly way of doing things and then set out the worldly way and then start to satisfy us with something that really is not for us. It's for the worldly people. And you look at the church world. If you're a discerning person, you look at the church world and it's full of it. Full of it. Always has been. Always will be. There will always be a remnant people that God calls out that will be faithful to God. That will be true to God. No matter what happens, they'll be true to God because they understand the value. They understand their true value and their true worth. They're not insecure about who they are. They're not looking for somebody to crown them with a title. Or make them feel good in their flesh about them. They're not looking for fleshy, fleshy, fleshy all the time. Can I be happy? Can I, you know, talk loud? Can I get attention? Can I get people to look at me? They're not looking for that. They're looking for the real thing. They're looking for relationship and contentment with God. They're looking for the call of God to come about in their lives. They're looking for the discipline of God in their lives. They're looking for the the uh, uh, lifestyle that God approves of. That's what these people are looking for. So there were many, many children that were taken captive. But the king wanted the creme de la creme. You know, the best of the best, the highest of the highest, the most gifted of the most gifted. He wants the best. We don't know what happened to the other ones. Sometimes they're killed because they're not useful. When they get to where they're taking up space and and sucking up air, sometimes they're disposed of. So the king had, had had someone go through all of those children and found the best of the best. And this is what he's looking for. He said he's looking for, verse 3. The king spoke to Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, the best of the best, royalty, those who are headed somewhere, those who are gifted, would would go somewhere, those already have a little refinement inside of them, a little hope and expectation of rulership and leadership. See, those are the people that the enemy can lure over the fastest, the gifted. Because it's easy for a gifted person to step over to an, into the world and say, I earned this. I'm supposed to be here. They've always told me in the church I was going to do great things. So this is my 
avenue to do great things. And so it's easy for 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 uh, people who are. It means this is a common scenario. You know, worship people who used to worship God, you know, raised in the church, and then you see them out singing in the world, and the world kills them. And we have an early home going, and people talk about how much they loved God. Well, we wouldn't know that if they hadn't died. Give your testimony while you're alive. Live the lifestyle while you're alive. Because it's sad when the only glory God gets out of your life is when you're dead. We hear about how much you loved God, but you didn't live it every day. What do you live every day? That's what's important. So he says, children in whom was no blemish, but well favored, skillful in all wisdom, cunning in knowledge. You know, the world has high standards too. You know, the kingdom's the only place where you can take a nobody and make a somebody out of them. The world waits until you're somebody and then they lure you over. And he says, understanding in science. Such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. So you had to have it. Math, science, languages. <laughs> you couldn't pick one <laughs> and zoom off with that. You know, this is no place for somebody like, uh, uh, what's his name? MS, um, what's that MSN guy? <laughs> Microsoft. Bill Gates, this ain't a place for a geek. You had to be geeky, fine, language. You got to have it all. Creme de la creme. Huh? This is no place for a techie where you can take him and make him a, a multi-billionaire. Because, you know, that won't work where, where uh, you know, the devil wants you to go. You got to be able to flow everywhere. And so he says he wants to teach him learning in the, the language of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and the wine which he drank. And nourishing them three years that at the end of that they might stand before the king and then be judged if they will go further. So at the end of three years they were to be evaluated by the king. To see, just to see if this training took, to see if they could adapt, to see if they could move forward, to see if they could be promotable. And so the enemy wants to see who's promotable in God's kingdom and give you either a promise of a better promotion, an early promotion, promise of an early promotion, because fleshly people are impatient about everything. They want everything yesterday, and they want the most of it. They want to be able to stay up the latest and drink the most wine and eat the most good food. You understand what I'm saying? All that. And so this is what the world tests the people of God on, the remnant seed, the ones who have made it through. And God's imparted some things to them, some wisdom, some knowledge. You know, people say things like, oh, you're such a good intercessor. And they see you in an atmosphere like this, and they'll tell you stuff like, oh, you should be over in that church because there's a lot of people over there, and you would really stand out over there. See, that's a king's meat. Letting you, trying to defile you so that people said it to me. 
You know, why don't you just, you know, get with so-and-so minister and you could be on the road preaching all the time. They've said it to me for years. And so you have to be careful not to defile yourself. I've even had people come here and say, well, if you people here don't appreciate her, God's going to take her away. You know, that kind of nonsense. You're God not going to take me nowhere. What's he punishing you for? You understand what I'm saying? This kind of nonsense Nonsense talk comes at us all the time, folks. And you have to be careful that you don't let that taste for carnal things get satisfied because you cannot partake of the king's meat and be fit for what God wants you to do. Because the king will put you before a test and he don't care if you fail. At any point, the world will cast you away and say, off with her head, and your head comes off, and they remember you no more. But the thing is, God, if he tests you and he allows you to go through difficult times, he goes through with the idea of perfecting you, going through it with you, bringing you out so that you lack nothing and you're stronger and better and all the world knows it when you come through it. You understand what I'm saying? And so it's, it's, it's already, you know, already you seal your doom once you start getting involved with that kind of nonsense easy ways to get involved with it watch other people long enough you'll start wanting what they have you see other people with uh, multi multi-million billion dollar homes and stuff like that I'm not sure how I'm going to clean what I got you understand what I'm saying what would I do with a mansion already I don't go upstairs I have been upstairs in my house and I don't know where I tell everybody, hey, I live downstairs. I let them them other people had it upstairs, but I live downstairs. Not interested in up there, you know, any more in the bonus room, you know, if I need to go up there. But, you know, other than that, I, I, you know, you can live anywhere. You live with God. With God, you can live anywhere. You understand what I'm saying? My house primarily is an investment. My money's tied up in that. So whenever I need money, I can liquidate that and go on. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? It's beyond all this kind of what it looks like and what it looks like to whom and, you know, what do people think about things and all that kind of stuff. I remember when we first got our our big passenger bus, you know, the daggers that, that we would feel, you know, and I didn't pay much attention to them, but I could tell when people would mention it, oh boy, that bus, and the bus was already old when we got it, you know, but it was refurbished, it was a gift, we prayed for it, God allowed us to get it for, for half of what it was the value at the time, it was a gift for from God and we needed it to get back and forth to the cities where we're assigned to and so when I remember when we first got that and people would say things and I would just feel so good about my bus and so good about what we'd done and then pretty soon I thought to myself you know what God I better stop this feeling so good you can tell when you're in the flesh too much with things you understand when you start tickling your flesh and wondering what people think and you know all this kind of stuff you have to watch you have to watch yourself guard your heart with all diligence guard it guard it guard it you understand what I'm saying you you just have to you have to do what you have to do to stay close to God stay in the right relationship with him Stay sober in your thinking about yourself. Has anything you have of any value came to you from God? I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a saint. I don't care if you're in the gutter. I don't care where you are. Whatever you have good in your life came from God. 
And so we have to keep ourselves in that focus, keep ourselves <clears throat> in that mindset. So what happened was they were they were to be challenged after three years to see if all of the training from the world <laughs> was taking. You got me? So what the world wants to do is wash the God out of you. Wash your God training out. Wash your, your mind. And the, read the way the world does it with some kind of stupid offense. Every single time. It's the petty things. The little foxes, foxes spoil the vine. It's the petty things that he gets good people ensnared in. Uh, you know, uh, uh, gifted people get ensnared in these things. Well, I went to that church and I, I preached for them and they only paid me a little bit. Once you start hearing that story over and over and over again, their foot's in a trap. See, it's in a snare already and they don't know it. I remember Robert Lairdon said that he was believing God for a certain amount of money to come in in an offering and he found out that that money had come in when he got the check it was half that amount and he said he was angry he was upset sometimes you you get religious pride because you're praying for something and it comes through and you start beating your chest about it and bragging on you know god answered my prayer you know god's real little and my is real big and so he complained about it to people and his grandmother got wind of it and uh, Graham grabbed him by the collar and yanked him you know up and chewed him up and she said do you realize what your grandfather and I had to do just to make a living and God gives you that kind of money she said you're going to get on your knees right now and forgive that person you're not going to talk about it anymore you're going to shut up Roberts and quit talking about it you got me and so he did that and when he repented and he got before God and and let that thing go and and God reassured him he said he got more money for shutting up about it huh after that the money started to he said rolling in real nice huh money just started to chase after him after that but if he has stayed in strife see in, in the spirit realm strife ties up your provision when you start striving with somebody over something, it ties up your provision. God showed me a, a, a picture of two dogs holding on to the end of the same rag. And by the time they got food yanking over it, there was nothing but shreds left. That's what happens to us in the realm of the spirit when we strive with one another. And strive with God over things that really God has already provided the faith for if you'll believe God for it. And shut your mouth. Quit ragging people and dragging them down. The provision will come to you. But as long as you're entangled. And people live this way for years, folks. There are things that we are striving over on the inside of us that from childhood that never get resolved because we refuse to let our souls disentangle from them. Well, my, I didn't get this when I was little. I didn't get that when I was little. And ah, you're still striving. It's still tied up in the row. You'll never get it. 
until you let go of your end of the rope repent and let God have it and then see if God will, will increase your faith to bring it to you Strife and faith don't occupy the same place either, folks. You're not believing God with, for anything if you're striving over it. And so we have to be careful that we live a life well-pleasing to God. If you're going to expect God to do something for you, your life must be well-pleasing to him. And so he says here in, in, in chapter, I'm sorry, in, in verse 6, he talks about the names of these. And we're going to talk about uh, qualifications for the king's meat. Because it's very important to understand how this works. Number one, they were, had to be captive. You're in bondage to something. And I see many young people, you know, I, 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 my heart goes out to young people uh, when they, because so young they get ensnared in things that are hard. They're totally demonic to break through. You know, uh, the top of the list is 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 fornication. You know, there's just no holes barred as far as your sexual life is concerned. Drugs, alcohol, uh, 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 free lifestyles. You know, where they're not accountable to anything. So when you're not accountable to any respectful authority or any authority God given authority in your life, you're free game to the devil. That wouldn't come and tell you anything and, and to pluck you up and, and deceive you and, and uh, treat you all kinds of ways because of your rebellion. The Bible says rebellion is just the same as this, the uh, sin of witchcraft. Why? Because it opens you up freely to the devil's influence. There's, there's no, and he's, he will accommodate anybody with as much of his demon activity as you can handle. And not handle. And so there's a lot of captivity here. Sometimes we're captive to desires and dreams and hopes and all of those things. You know, those things will hold us captive. But there's something that we're shackled to that we can't quite get free of. Just like the kids, uh, children of Israel, of Judah, who were in Babylon. They were captive there and forbidden to leave. Second is the young. He will cap. He will uh, uh, capitalize on the strength of people. Oftentimes, our young people. We always say this thing: young people are the promise of the future. Well, nobody knows that better than the devil, and that's why he tries to ensnare them as soon as possible. The laws that we're enacting now: uh, young women can get abortions as in teenagers and don't have to tell the parents. No parental authority for many things that they are allowed to do, decisions they are allowed to make that they cannot make with wisdom at their age. But they are given permission to do it. You can get an abortion without your parents' consent before you can get married without their consent. You can get that in condoms before you can even get a driver's license or vote or anything like that. Because the enemy wants to hold them captive at a very young age. So he ensnares young people, especially when they have no power to make good decisions. What does a young 13 or 14 year old know about reproductive health that they don't laugh and giggle about? You know, you got to get them sober enough to think soberly about it so that you can teach it to them properly. The other thing is, is appearance has to be impeccable. You see, right now, you see the most attractive young people living the lowest level of life. 
easily degraded because they want to rely on their appearance. The devil wants you healthy. He can use young, healthy, good-looking people that he can deceive so they can deceive others. Pull everybody right down the line. Well-educated and capable of learning. Smart and intelligent people. You know, you, you hear that said sometimes about criminals all the time. Boy, that guy could learn anything. Why wouldn't he use his ability for something good instead of... Huh? They have to be able to serve royalty. When I say that, there has to be an ability in them to be cultured, to be trained, to have to carry themselves with a certain level of dignity before the enemy will use them. Well, let me tell you what I mean by that. You take somebody like Beyonce Knowles. She was very beautiful out of all of those girls she started out singing. And she loved singing with those that little group of girls she had. But then people started coming to her and showing her how she stood out from the rest of them. And the enemy's been able to groom her into the multi-billion dollar entertainment personality that she is. They all claim to love God. They'll give money to their church back home. Let that be known. They'll kind of like throwing God a bone. To see if they can still keep that reputation, that standing. And they deceive Christians. They're Christians who, oh yeah, they're Christians. Don't you see? They pray before they go out. A lot of people pray before they go out on the stage. Do you know how many bones you could break if some of that equipment falls down? They'd be stupid not to pray some kind of way. But that don't mean that they love God or serve him. The, The young people who were Barry Gordy trained at Motown. The reason they were so successful and went as far as they did. Diana Ross got invited to palaces. She was around royalty. I mean it was like nothing for her. She was able to do that because they had a little lady, a little church lady, who taught them etiquette, taught them how to speak, taught them manners, taught them when to speak up, not to speak up, how to bow and curtsy before royalty. Because he had a vision, Barry Gordy had a vision of these people going high places. And they did. The ones that could hang on and hang on to what they were trained to do went to high places. I'm not going to say godly high places, but they went high places. All of them were stolen out of the church, folks. Just like the vessels that this king took out of God's house, that's the gifts of God. That's the people of God. That's the preachers of God many times because they can be deceived just as easily into wanting higher and better things once they get a taste of the king's meat. You have to be careful what you feed yourself on. Daniel said this. He says, now among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, or Michael, and Azariah. The prince changed their names. Now that's common, especially in the entertainment industry. A lot of the uh, Jewish entertainers from the vaudeville age shortened their names so that they would their uh, heritage would not be known. Oh, you can't call yourself, you know, whatever Bernie Schwartz. 
You're Tony Curtis now. You got me? That kind of thing. And so they were transformed from serving. They were pulled out from under their God by a name change. The enemy wants to change your name too. Sometimes you're 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 uh, John Smith, and you're a deacon in the church, and you're faithful, and you love what you do, and then somebody prophesies to you and calls you an apostle. See, it's common now the name change. That's the king's meat, folks. When the what God called you from the foundation of the earth is not good enough anymore. And you aspire to something and you let somebody come around and change your name. It's the world plucking you out of your true identity and setting you up in a false identity. Something that will never come to pass for you. But they don't tell you that. They entice you away with the king's meat. The daily portion is what's very important. If you can refuse the daily portion... You can make it through. And that was the strategy that God gave Daniel. <clears throat> so the names were changed. Daniel, uh, Daniel's name means God. Um, let me see. What does Daniel mean? I forgot to look up his name. It means God is judge. Okay, That's what his name. God is my judge. And they changed it to Belteshazzar, which means the God Baal is my judge. So they slightly tweak the names so that it sounds almost the same to get you to respond to it (laughs) and you start answering to another god all of this is done to pull you out from under the influence of your god the true and living god and pull you under the influence of another god that daily portion is what daniel purposed in his heart to not defile himself with huh and that's important verse 8 they had given him certain food to eat told him you can have this and wine Hmm? how many preachers get ensnared by that do I take wine or don't you know what some things are, are it's good to make this decision early in your walk and let that be your daily portion See, if I make up my mind, I'm not going to drink anymore now that I'm filled with the Spirit, like the Bible says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And so I said, oh, okay, God, I'm Spirit-filled. I don't need that anymore. I don't need it anymore. So all you have to do is renounce something one time and mean it. Isn't that what Daniel did? Read verse 8. It says, but Daniel purposed in his heart. Where did he purpose? See, he wasn't influenced by friends. See, that's in your mind. He wasn't given an example of how wonderful it will be. That's in your mind. He didn't see somebody doing something that looked like funds and he wants to copy it. That's in your mind. But once you purpose in your heart, what you do is you go to God and you say, God, you know what? I'm in this situation right here. And I want to survive. You you spared my life through the famine. You spared my life through the sword. And here I am captive 
in the king's palace and there's all this good food around me there's all this wine around me there's all this lush life around me and they're telling me that they put aside a portion for me of this at every meal now what do I do to stay true to you that's what you do you go within and you get your strategy from God God what do I do to stay true to you God says just don't feed yourself three times a day on this stuff from the world do you hear what I'm saying to you whatever is being fed to you daily on a continual basis as many as three times a day and what you feed yourself don't feed yourself on that if it comes from the world so you have to refuse the portion of the king's meat that's coming to you regularly because what comes to you regularly will train you quickly into a habit that you can't break You see it all the time with with young people in church. They got somebody they they bring in their little friends from the world, and they think they're going to pass them under the radar, pass them off as Christians, or get them saved real quick, huh? But they continue to keep carnal relationship with them. Well, if you brought them to church, you brought them for God, huh? Some of you know when guys get smart, they'll dump off the girlfriend that's hard to get rid of at the church. (laughs) Hoping she'll get God and like him better. And it's worked. That's where we get some of our most consistent people from in church. They got dumped off here by a, a believer that was backslidden. Doing something they weren't supposed to do. Well, don't shout me down. You know it. You know people People get tempted to do it all the time. <laughs> tempted to do it all the time. But we have to refuse. Purpose in your heart. Once you purpose in your heart to do it, it's not hard to refuse. Once your heart is given over to letting God lead and guide you from your inner man. What your flesh comes into contact with is no problem at all. It was not a problem for Daniel. You don't see where Daniel sat there and struggled every day. Oh, do I have to, do I drink this wine or don't I drink this? Oh, Lord, what am I going to do? Uh-uh. He just refused it. And it says here, and then what God, the strategy that God gives you, he'll give you favor to make sure it gets carried out. He purposed in his heart, verse 8, that he would not defile himself and that's the other thing how do you view the world's goods do you see it as something you want or you see it as defilement see if you see it the right way Daniel saw it as defilement he said God's already set up dietary laws for us if you were really called uh, to serve God and you're called you could put yourself under a vow of a Nazarite where you didn't drink strong drink you didn't come into contact with certain things and so that was oftentimes a refuge I'm going to say that again see that absence you know abstaining from certain things can become a refuge for us while we're looking for grace to get forgiven over and over and over again and still like it well, I don't know where that comes from. But it can be a refuge for us 
and God can find us there in that refuge and then give us the grace enable us to not desire it anymore that's what you want to get you want to kill the desire for that thing it's the craving and desire that tempts you to be drawn off James says that every man's drawn off and enticed when he gives into his own lust and so he says he purposed in his heart that he wouldn't defile himself yeah, when I was first married, I did some modeling, and you know, would sometimes you can still kind of catch yourself a little bit. You know, I can can remember if I would walk into the room, everybody looked at me, and I'm not saying that to brag. I'm just saying that's what you carried when you lived that life. You know, of course, when I get home, I take it all off my husband. I don't believe you. I don't believe you're the same person I was out with. You know, what I'm saying it's all smoke and mirrors, folks. You know, but it's it it's. It's designed to grab attention because that's what models get paid for, grabbing attention. You got me? And so I realized that after I got saved, I said, well, you know what, God? I'm going to lose. Boom, boom, boom. All the way down the line, you lose a lot of these things because you can easily get enticed back into the world again. And once I got married, I stopped dressing in certain ways to a certain degree. Because, you know, when you're married and you're carnal, your husband don't want to take some, you know what I'm saying, look like what the cat dragged in. You know, so they sit there and you start putting stuff on. And when they get to where they're satisfied, you go out. You understand? And so you, you kind of live for other people's approval when you live in that world. And so you, you have to realize that there are certain things that feed that carnality in you. And you have to purpose in your heart not to defile yourself that way anymore. Now I'm thankful I had that experience and I know the difference. But I see women in ministry now who don't. And I feel bad for them. Because they never made up their minds that they didn't want to be a head turner anymore. And so now they carry themselves in a way oftentimes it turns heads. And they're in the pulpit. And that thing should have died a long time ago. And so we have to understand that when you come into God, you have to know yourself well enough and know what's going to defile you. And what kind of things, you know, the kind of people you hang around with. I mean, you'd be in a dressing room changing and you didn't know that was a man before. You got me? And so that, that's, that's an ungodly atmosphere for a child of God to be in. You've got a purpose in your heart. You're not going to defile yourself anymore. So I said goodbye to it. And I can remember women in churches giving fashion shows. I said, we'll never do it. We won't do it. We won't do it. We can dance for the Lord. We can worship God. We can do all of that, but we won't do that. We can cook chicken. We can sell dinners, but we ain't going to do that. Why? It's a defilement for your leader. Same thing about, I could never start a church in Las Vegas. I wouldn't be pastor nobody. Y'all don't know me. You drop me off at the casino. You call my broker and tell him whenever he... I'm going to be Miss High Roller. Huh? 
you purpose in your heart not to defile yourself. I know what happens when you get in that atmosphere. You're like, <laughs> zoned. And that's that's just the way it is. So I don't go back there. I don't try. You know, I'm not one of the person. Well, you, you know, you're saved now. You can do a new. I'm saved now, and I'm going to live. In, if I have to live in my little bubble with Jesus, I won't live there. But I'm not going to defile myself anymore with a portion of anything. It'll shock you how fast that stuff will come back to you. You know, when I was was in the world, I had a hard time concentrating, counting cards. You know, I could sit up there now. You could sometimes I watch little shows with that stuff, and I'm just, ooh, no, nah, don't play that. When I told you, <laughs> don't buy the insurance as a sucker bet. You know what I'm saying? Everything my husband tells me came back. You know what I'm saying? We got a good memory for some of those things. So I don't want to, you know, stir that up. So you don't defile yourself. You know. <laughs> At my age, losing all my money, being homeless. You understand what I'm saying? This ain't, come on, folks. <laughs> so. <clears throat> The enemy changes your name, gets you to call, call you something he wants you to be known as. You get a new calling. He always wants you to think you're elevated over what, oh, them church people. I can remember hearing some, uh, some, uh, I think it was Sandra Crouch confessed it. She said, oh, for years I didn't want to sing in the church. She said, and church people, they don't pay you nothing. You know, I mean, that's something that gets handed down to you from the devil. To make you think the devil's going to pay you higher than God will. It may not be in the same currency, but I guarantee you, first day you're born again, you're more valuable than you'll ever be. You understand what I'm saying? Your value automatically increases. Your net worth is higher because you're you're valued in a higher realm now. So. The children were from the tribe of Judah. And I'll say a little bit about that because Judah had a very high calling because there was a prophecy. It's in uh, Genesis chapter 49. You can read that real quick. I'll go over there. If you've got a, a high calling, a high prophecy over you, and every believer does, we all have a high calling. Some are called the leadership some are called to be uh, uh, forerunners. Some people that break through uh, uh, calling on their lives. Other, all that kind of stuff. But it says in, in Genesis 49 verse 8, Judah, you are he whom your brethren shall praise. So you will be looked up to by the people of God. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. In other words, you're a person, a warrior, a person of strength, and a person of power. Your father's children shall bow down before you. In other words, all people will be under your authority. So that's kingship. Judah, it says here, sorry, verse 10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah. And that means the king's authority. Nor a lawgiver from between his feet till Shiloh comes. Shiloh speaks of Jesus Christ, the one to whom it is promised. And unto him shall be the gathering of the people, binding his foal into the vine, and his, and his ass's colt into the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. 
And so it speaks of somebody of high spiritual authority, high natural authority. In other words, a king of kings and a lord of lords. And so that's the call that was on Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And that's why the names had to be changed. In other words, the devil wants you to forget that you have a high holy calling. He wants you to substitute God's high calling with his promise of something better, which never comes. Never comes. So whenever they were called, they wanted to be called by different names. Hananiah means the Lord is gracious to me. Mishael is Michael who is like the Lord. Azariah, the Lord is my helper. So instead of reminding that kid that the Lord was his helper, he would just say, well, Nebo's my helper. You got me? There's a substitute. Put him under another God. Amen. Or make them the servant of God. So forth and so on. One of them they promised to be a prophet or a messenger of God. I think it was Azariah was called Abednego, which means the prophet of Nebo or the messengers of Nebo. So these are pseudo high callings. That the enemy wants to substitute. And it always comes when you're at a low point in your life. You feel looked over, uh, skipped over, uh, missed, uh, all that kind of stuff. That's why I don't try to live too high above you guys. I'm just, that's my, just my personal decision to do. I don't get to the place where I say, well, I'm not cooking anymore. Y'all cook. You understand? And everybody does. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't lose <laughs> death in the pot. I said that to somebody one time. Somebody said, well, you know, I, you the only uh, pastor I see cooking. I said, it's because you haven't been around much. I said, really, I don't cook as a pastor. I cook as a prophet. I don't want to lose death in the pot. So that's why I don't let these queens, I don't let these queens around here cook. Huh? Well, it's a joke anyway. You can laugh. You can laugh. It's okay to laugh. (laughs) You know, if that's not your gift, that ain't your gift. And if you don't want to try and cultivate it, you don't have to cultivate it. We just move on. Uh, Thank God for Miss Brenda. We finally got to answer the prayer after all this time, you know. I need it. But anyway, these, these false names are given to make us think that there's a higher calling that's cheap, fast, and dirty in the world than a holy calling. When you're called a holiness, that's a high calling period. I don't care if you're a gatekeeper, as David said, you know. And I'd rather be a gatekeeper in the house of the Lord. Just give me the easy, low job, and I'll do that. But, but don't get me, uh, you know, in the, the presence of wicked even if they're high people in wickedness. I don't want that. And so he says he'd made up his mind. You know, you, you make a one-time decision about these things. You're not going to defile yourself. Therefore, he requested the prince of the eunuchs that he might, def- might not defile himself. And so God brought Daniel into the favor and the tender love of the prince of the eunuchs. God will soften anybody's heart to do whatever it is he wants them to do on your behalf. Don't worry about what the people are going to think. Don't worry about who told you you're not going to be able to do something. Don't worry about all of that. When God tells you to do something, he'll enable you to do it. And you won't have to butt your head against the wall forever. And talk about who won't let you do something and you got to find an open door. That's not God. 
He gives you instruction. He provides everything needed to carry out that instruction. All you got to do is obey him. Get up and do what you can do. And the princes, verse 10, the princes of the eunuch said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who has appointed your meat and your drink. For why would he, For he says, why would I let him see you looking worse, you know, than you're supposed to look if you don't eat what, what he's told me to feed you. So this man is concerned about his health. And Daniel said to him, well, just give us ten days. Do you know it doesn't take long for God to deliver you of any bad habit that you once you purpose in your heart you're not going to divide. And see I see people quote unquote struggle. There's no struggle. The struggle's in your heart. That's where you didn't purpose to do the right thing. See if there's a struggle it's of you making up your mind and purposing in your heart that you're not going to go back on God. You're not going to go back on your word to God. We do, as Christians we don't struggle folks. We lay it down. Once you lay it down and make up your mind you're not going to pick it up again. God will give you the strength to leave it laying down there. Hmm? Now there are some things you can do to help yourself. You know there is a testing period. But Daniel said just give me 10 days. I would take that as a promise from God. In 10 days I can be delivered of anything. You know the the, uh, Copelands uh, did one better. uh, um, Kenneth Copeland was uh, weighed close to 300 pounds at one time. When he first came to the Lord he was going to be a a singer in nightclubs and all that kind of stuff. And and God saved him. And he found when God started giving him revelation on things he found that at the communion table he said what I do he said if I'm struggling with something or something I need to get rid of and I know he said I put it on the table between me and Jesus. He said and I put my struggle on that side of the table and then he delivers me strength to resist it and that's how he saw communion as the exchange taking of his body and his blood and his life to resist this thing and taking on and giving up that thing and pushing he said once I put it on his side of the table I'm done with it yeah I mean, but you got to have revelation on it. You can't be sitting up there wondering, well, I, that don't work because I tried. Uh, you know, you ain't tried. You don't try God. You obey God. You go and get your own strategy. If you don't like that one, go get your own strategy. But get a strategy and get one that works. But I'm telling you, in 10 days, without the new birth, <laughs> we have a better covenant based on better promises. So he purposed in his heart he wouldn't do it. And this guy got afraid for his head. Verse 11. Daniel said to Melzar whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over them. Prove your servants ten days. Let, let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. Pulse was like a, a, um, a wheat or, or a grain type of a meal I think. Uh, but there wasn't much to it. <laughs> it kept you kept you going but it wasn't the best tasting thing <laughs> he said then let our countenances be looked upon before you 
and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat and as you see deal with your servants he consented to them in this matter and proved them ten days and at the end of ten days just as he said would happen they appeared better he said they were fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat of the king's meat you know you obey God and he'll make you look good he'll make you look better than the people you know in the world <laughs> he always will. Saints all the time fool people. Never look their age. You know, it's, we look 30 or something, 30-ish or, you know, whatever, you know, for a long time. And so he says here that the, in verse 16, he took away the portion of their meat and wine that they should and gave them pulse. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge. Everything the world desires God will give to us but give it under his authority he doesn't give us his gifts so that we can go sell out to the world they don't belong to us you couldn't stay gifted for five minutes if the spirit of God didn't breathe life into you and wisdom and skill and how to manage your gift most gifts blow up in people's faces you see the people especially entertainment type people they wind up sacrificing everything that's important to them relationships friendships can't stay friends with anybody can't do this can't do that can't have a a, a good family life spouses are always disappointed in them and you know you don't spend enough time here don't spend enough time they can't weather everything when God gives you something, he takes care of everything that concerns you. He'll bring those along right with you. So you don't sacrifice your family or your relationships. And then you're old with a bunch of money and, and nobody wants to be around you because your kids don't know you and they don't know how to respond to you. All that kind of stuff. And so it's it's important, this this thing about refusing the king's meat. So they were proven after ten days. God gave him wisdom and Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. So Daniel had a call of leadership upon himself. But the other three boys also had divine callings. And so it says verse 20 in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them. So they're put to the test before the king that he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in his realm ten times you have that potential in God I'm not going to say you're at that level of value yet but you have that potential you see it's funny because people can go want to claim all kind of stuff and I claim I'm ten times as I'm well you might have to put go through some paces before that can come through out of you we might have to get get past some flesh that's hindering that revelation from coming and, and that gift from coming through the way God wants. But it will come through. You dedicate yourself to God and dedicate your life to God and it will come through for you. And so the king's meat, we can say, is that lifestyle, habits, and calling that the world entices every Christian to. It's the lifestyle, habits, and calling that the world entices every Christian to accept as the highest and best for our lives. 
And that's outside of the lifestyle of obedience to God. So the first thing that the enemy has to has ha, will will have to do is convince you that God's calling is not a high calling, that there's no value to serving God, that you haven't gotten anything out of this Christian life. Everything that you ask God for didn't happen for you, or they give you a biggie. Something that you can hinge your whole Christian experience on. Something that you desire from God and the devil will make it bigger than what it really is. He'll make it more important than your relationship day to day. He'll make it for him he'll have you lust for it to such a degree that you feel like if you don't get this, I'm gonna quit serving God. You gotta make sure your mind doesn't go in that 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 place of betting God to do something for you, challenging God to do it, or you're gonna walk away from him. Because he'll let you walk. Is uh, what's her? Who was somebody said in I don't know some stupid movie? You walk away, but you limp back. Uh huh. A lot of people do that. Thank God for the limp back. You know, because you can, you can, you know. I don't care if the devil cuts off one knee, you come back on the a short one and a long one, but you come back. See, your body might be broken, but your soul's intact, and your spirit's there. Amen. All these people want to threaten God. Well, if you don't do this, I'm going to do that. You don't do it, they walk away. You know, they stomp on off somewhere, start bad mouthing the saints and bad mouthing God. And God didn't do it. We gave all our money to that. That's the first thing they want to do is put it all on the basis of money. Well, you were wrong to begin with because we don't serve the God of Mammon. We serve the Most High God here. He doesn't look at your pocketbook, He looks at your heart. If you'd offered a pure heart to him, he probably would have done most of the stuff you're sitting there saying he didn't do. But you're looking to respond to him because of money you give. So they have to get you outside of obedience to God. Catch you wanting something too bad. See, your wants will cause you to gravitate towards certain company. They will. Because you want to feed that real bad. Your wants will cause you to, to want to be around certain kinds of people. I can remember when my husband was working toward promotion in his company. He said, oh boy. He'd come home. Oh, we got a party coming up. Uh, he was never really excited about him. And, uh, you know, or sometimes he would be, you know, if it was going to be a fun thing. It was some of the people that he got along with well at the job. But there were many people who were, you know, it's a cutthroat business. They were wanting you to fail so they could either have your position or knock you out of the race because there were certain, not as many at the top as there were at the bottom of it. And he come home, he said, ah, I better get a beer before I get out of here. I said, oh boy, this is going to be a, a long night. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All that kind of stuff. But, but you know, God worked it out. He, he even worked it out to the, the place where after I got called to the ministry and I had the ministry and, you know, people in the 
and his job knew it and then when we'd have the Christmas party where everybody get drunk and get stupid and we have to go real soon I said oh you're a preacher we need a preacher around here can you bless the food before we eat I said cool We'll bless the food. God has a way for you to do every. If you hold on to God. Now if I had gotten all caught up. Oh boy. This is our opportunity. Oh you're going to go far. You know what I'm saying. Come on. Defilement. You refuse to defile yourself. With a portion of the king's meat. And if you stay in that place with God, you'll look and see how foolish people look who are trying to do all the right things to kiss up and make it, you know, to the top. When God can just move all the competition out of the way and put you up there, you know, if you'll obey him. That's what he did with Daniel. He just put him right up there. You know, he said, they're looking for somebody who can learn. I'll give you the tools to learn. I'll teach you. They're looking for somebody who has understanding and wisdom. I'll, the Spirit of God will visit you and give you the wisdom that they need. So whatever you need to function in your job, in the world, God will bless you with that. He'll bless you with the highest level of it. Because once you prove that you're not going to be defiled, then he has no restriction on what he blesses your life with so that you could serve the people you work for. You can go far and still be obedient to God. (laughs) Promotion doesn't scare God. Not for the undefiled he doesn't. But if you're going to get the big head and get stupid and... See, that's why God has us get laid off sometimes with the rest of the people. You know, you're going to defile yourself or are you going to continue to do what I tell you to do? See, he'll let you know that you're a human just like they are. But he will carry you through it. You're not going to starve. You're not going to be, you know, you're not going to be uh, miss a payment on your house. He, he's not that kind of God. But you hold on to him. And you prove to him that you love him above all things. And he'll come to bat for you. So he has, we have to have this lifestyle of obedience to God in order to refuse to be defiled. You're full because you're serving God. If you were, were out there with nothing, you didn't have God, and you were being enticed, you came in in no time. But you can stand tall and stand strong because you, you're, not, you, you, you're committed to God. He's your life. You're full. You don't need anything. You're not wanting anything. So God wants us to be called by his name. The name he gives you in the kingdom. He wants you to be called by that. Considered an honor to be called that way. Refuse the world's values. Refuse what they live off of. What they eat. What they drink. What they wear. Where they live. Just refuse it all. Refuse their worship. What they think is important. You refuse all of that. Because you're going to be tried and tested on it. Just like Daniel and his friends were. Daniel's example was to refuse what you can and hold on to a life that God gives you. There's got to be something that draws you into the presence of God on a daily basis. Instead of defiling himself with the king's portion, with his portion of the king's meat and drink and wine, he prayed to his God every day with the windows open. Huh? He wasn't hiding who he was. 
Huh? He let it be known who he was praying for. Because he could have been somewhere praying to Baal. Or let people think he was praying to Baal. So he said let me pray with this window open. Because I have nothing to hide from my God. He preserved me through being defiled and being captive. with. And Daniel probably lived to see all the, the Hebrew children who had obeyed the king's rule and what became of them. See when you're on this side of obedience you don't see the end result. But boy, when you get over on this side of obedience and you live longer enough to see the end result, what a blessing it is to you. See, that's when you have a testimony. You can stand back and say, when I was 12 years old, I dedicated my life to the Lord. And there were many opportunities that came to me to go over here and do this. But I resisted all of them. I refused all of them. And I saw the goodness of God. I saw what happened to people who got defiled. I saw what happened to people who sold out. I saw what happened to people who thought they could be crossover people. You know, cross over into the world and, and, uh, you know, preach for this secular person or, you know, have classes and all this kind of stuff with these secular people. You got me? Don't defile yourself. So Daniel refused what he knew to refuse, got a strategy with God and stayed with it. What you refuse then becomes your witness. Because we see in this book, Daniel's witness. I said again, what you refuse becomes your witness. That becomes your testimony. That becomes what you be known, what you're known to stand for. You see people that are delivered from drugs or delivered from prison. They refuse to get involved in the worldly system surrounding them. They held on to God and they came out. Amen. When you come out it's another challenge. Not going back the same old way again. You got me? I'm kind of a little disheartened to see some people who have been given a second chance by God go back the same old way they've been. You know, it takes a while sometimes, but they'll go, they'll get lured right back into the same thing. After they've given a good testimony and after they've been delivered, they get back involved in the same nonsense, you know, the fundraising Christianity instead of preaching the gospel type Christianity. And so you, you have to be careful. Those old snares will try to get you entrapped again. So what you refuse needs to become your witness, and it will. And this comes from God. And when you purpose in your heart to refuse the world, then God will give you a testimony of faithfulness to him. Refuse what comes to you regularly that could defile you. I don't care if it's radio, TV, internet. Huh? Some of us watch too much Fox News. Some of us watch too much Christian television. You know, some of us listen to too much Christian contemporary music. You know, put on a hymn just for old time's sake. You know what I'm saying? I mean, anything to break up the pattern. Because your soul can begin to respond in, in tantalizing ways to things once you get comfortable. It's the world's way of making us comfortable with certain things. God bestows favor that his will be done. He will always give you favor to do his will. And it's not for us to make friends with the world. When favor comes to you. You know say for instance uh, there's a boss that used to 
hinder you all the time and now they <clears throat> kind of like just give you freedom you know it's not because they like you you know we have to remember who opened the door for us because it, it, thinking it's because they like you can be an enticement to you well I've seen people let their guard down quit doing their work because they thought the boss liked them then the boss fired them and then afterwards they see it's favor from God and don't take advantage of it it's favor from God so do a better job because you're under a microscope you got me and so we have to always keep our wits about us stay sober in your thinking about yourself so you don't get intoxicated with the favor that God will put on your life so Daniel was able to prove God in 10 days and get delivered from that desire for the things. It didn't say that he didn't want the king's meat. It said he purposed in his heart not to defile himself with it. He looked at it the right way. God gave him a heads up. He said, Daniel, if you do this, you're going to be a drunk sitting around here. I won't be able to use you. You won't have any wisdom. And they'll, you'll be discarded with the rest of them that you're going to see be discarded. And so you don't want to get discarded with the world. You want to come over to my side. So they didn't struggle with the small things. And that's the other thing that you have to be careful of when you're serving God. Don't struggle with small things. Offenses. Eat. Drink. What you're going to wear. Honor God and he'll send provision to you. If the, if the brook dries up, the ravens will bring it. You got me? There's always going to be provision for you. Don't get caught up in where it comes from. Don't get hung up in how it comes to you. You know, sometimes your house can be, your cupboard will be empty and you'll come to the church and somebody just dropped off a shipment of bread. You know, don't don't try to act like you don't want the bread. Let's get real here. I want the bread and I could buy it real easily. Anything I don't want to have, I have to buy, I can spend it doing more things than God I want to do with. You understand me? Let's not be crazy here. We could all do something different. So, the enemy likes to make the petty large. He likes to make the insignificant significant. As Jesus said, we strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. You start striving over small things, bickering, strife, confusion, trying to one-up somebody, outdo them, talk louder, talk longer. That's a snare. Get ensnared in pretty soon you you don't know why you don't want to be around those church people anymore. You don't know why you can't stand being around, huh? Because you've been ensnared, don't know it. You got caught up in your own flesh. Hmm? Don't want to let go of your end of the the rope. So in today's church, church partaking of the king's meat, we do it in many ways. We do it in our dress. We do it in our talk. We do it in, in, in our desires. And what we what you give over the most time to reflects what you think and and what you feel is important. You know, now we there's a a great move now for greater showmanship in the worship aspect of of ministry. And it's wrong. Because people live off the word. The worship is to prepare your heart to receive the word. You know, and the preacher will get up with no Bible, just exhort people real quick and let them go home. And so we know what they came for. They came for the entertainment factor, not the participation factor. So if if we we are living the right way, though, 
will forget these enticements will forget these uh, uh, things that are coming to defile and just stay focused on the purpose of God. I don't care what kind of atmosphere you're in. You can find the purpose of God in it if God sent you there. You can quit focusing on the petty and the small and you can let your heart be totally given over to obedience to God and find what God has for you in these godly situations. But I'm telling you that we're giving ourselves more and more over to the king's meat. Many people want popularity. You can see it. You know, the second generation preacher kids. Which ones are purposing in their hearts not to defile themselves? You got me? Sometimes the the denominations that we kind of think are, you know, oh, they're not full gospel. They're not in the fullness. A lot of times they're more dedicated than the people who have it all. You got me? The gifted, the proud, (laughs) that kind of stuff. And so we, we have to make sure, folks, that we are staying with purposing Helping God, allowing God to help us, uh, having foremost in our mind the plan of God and the purpose of God in the earth and find our place in it and be content there. Contentment, godliness with contentment is always great gain. It's a greater gain than you can ever get defiling yourself with the king's meat. Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to know and to hear your word to understand what true defilement is and what true preservation purity and holiness constitute so we thank you lord for showing us the right way to salvation deliverance wholeness and life in you and contentment we thank you for it lord in jesus name amen and praise god and